episode four of You Shall Not Pass Go. We're your hosts, Dave. Jengiz. And we are hosted on geekade.com. What's your geek? Man, we're getting good at that. <laughs> I would hope so. It's getting, it's getting, it's getting smooth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, started off, um, Wizards. Wizards. They what, did a lot of things. What's going on it's with those guys? It's been a busy month for Wizards. Yeah, and for players. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you haven't heard, Wizards had tons of new product announcements come out recently. Yeah, they uh, they pretty much said like this is how they want to do things because normally it's like they, everything kind of trickles in, but right now they're saying you know we want to have a spring announcement and a fall announcement, and uh, then right now their spring announcement is what we have what they talked about uh, a couple weeks ago. Two weeks, well, one week ago. Yeah, yeah, it was recent. Um, and then in the fall they'll do another thing. Uh, but yeah, do you want to you want to just dive right into it? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I guess the biggest thing that I'm most excited for it would be, and um, it's Commander 2016 edition. Oh yes. Uh, I, I mean that's not like a surprise. Like it's not like <laughs> oh my god they're gonna making another Commander set. I mean they're selling these things like crazy. So. Yeah. This is going to be an ongoing thing for them, one a year. Uh, but this time, the big... The big twist. The big twist or the big... <laughs> what twist. a twist! <laughs> the big selling point, if you will, is the fact that there's going to be four-color commanders. Four-color commanders. I don't think... I think there's only... No. There's the Nephilim. But they're not legendaries, are they? The Nephilim? No. I think they're just normal... I've looked them up. They're not legendaries. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Double yeah. check. That's what we have the internet. The for. internet, but uh, but yeah, four color commanders. Um, not a ton they're of not, them. They're yeah. not legendary. That's what I thought. Um, so there hasn't been a four color commander for a long time, uh, but there are cards that set the the four color structure, so to speak. Uh, that's probably not a great word for it. I'm just trying to think the theme. I guess here's here's the biggest thing is that I think that. A lot of people didn't think they would ever make a four-color commander. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason being, or a four-color legendary, four-commander, I should say, uh, reason being because by the point you have four colors, what is the advantage to not just splurging and going for five? Yeah, there's tons of great five-color commanders that are worth, you know, that you can make solid decks around. Right, and with with... With having to fix your mana that hard anyway, fixing it for five is almost next to nothing if you've already fixed it for four. Pretty much. So why not throw in the extra color? And my personal opinion is that what's going to make these commanders worth their their weight, so to speak, <laughs> yeah. uh, will be whatever their abilities are. Of course. Wizards is going to have to give them some ridiculous ability that's going to want you to play these specific commanders. Because I'll tell you what, the colors are not going to do it for me. No. I don't care that you add in, like, <laughs> oh, I have uh, Esper, but now I've got Esper plus green. Like, oh, black, white, blue, all of the control and mana ramp. What more could I want? Like, I don't I don't care. At that point, I would just play a five-color commander. So, really, it's going to come down to some ridiculous abilities that I think will will really set the tone for these commanders. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just interested what those abilities are going to be and what, if any, newfangled 
like tweaky ability that they're going to throw in specifically for commanders because ever since the two years ago when they did the planeswalkers as commanders um and even before that three years ago actually the the set where they had cards with commanders that actually interacted with the command zone mm -hmm. directly on the card itself coming to mind is um what's her face devery or devery or it's the yeah. bird commander that's bant and can permanently come in for four if mm -hmm. it's in the command zone its ability is pay four and bring you know it bring it in um so really uh ever since then the commanders that they've been coming out with have some really interesting we're going to change the game up of Commander mm -hmm. a little bit. So what will the new mechanic be? That's the real question. That's the thing. They've been playing around with the design of Commander a lot. They've been like, you know, because normally, you know, you wouldn't think that something would exist outside. You know, once it's in the command zone, you kind of don't think about it too much. But since they've been throwing in, like, everything from, like, the experience to the Planeswalkers to everything, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people have created, like, speculative cards. Some people be like, they'll print the Nephilim. They'll just make the Nephilim commanders. I'm like, no, that's horrible. Don't do that. Don't make Drizzt do Orden. <laughs> but it's like, they'll, they'll, they should make something. The, the way the cards went, I mean, I, I could look them up, but it's really like, the way it went is they had aspects of each color or a color combination mm -hmm. in each, uh, like, two abilities that pretty much dealt with two of their colors. So, like, one would be, like, a green-white ability, which would be, like, you know, gives your creatures some buff. Um, Lifelink and trample. Yeah, you know. but And then the other part would be, Blue like... red ability, deal two damage, and draw a card. Exactly. You know, something like that. That's what the the gist of their design. I don't know if Wizards is going to go that way. I hope not. Yeah, I, because it's boring. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's boring, and that right there is what I mean when I say... I would look at that card and be like, I'm never going to play this. I'm just going to run this card in the five-color <laughs> commander deck that I'm already running. I mean, I don't envy the designers at Wizards because if they're trying to make something, I mean, like, maybe they're just hoping to not get the hardcore and try to get, like, the casuals. Like, four colors? I really, That's amazing. <laughs> no, I really believe they're going to do something like, like experience counters or, like, you know, something new that will entice you to play these specific and, cards. And also deal with the play styles of those colors and does it in like a really natural way. Well, I'm sure it'll be like every commander will have like one ability that's from one color, one of one ability that's represented by the new mechanic, you know, like like a like it'll have a static ability, it'll have some uh, sort activa of like activated ability, it'll have like it'll just it'll run the gamut of a couple different things. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'm I am excited, but it's a while. It's not until November that we're going to get any of this yeah. knowledge, and and I'm sure we'll this probably hear stuff. We'll hear we'll hear stuff like yeah. packs prime. I think is before that. Yep. Um, um, but one thing that I hope they have, I don't know if they'll do it, but I really for these specific decks, it like, I don't want to say if it needs, but it would really like make them nice and well rounded. Mana that that helps with these four color combinations. It ain't gonna do it. <sighs> It's going to be, they're going to give you I just three triple colored manas that will, I just the don't, ones that we've I don't want printed. that. I want at least something to be like. It's going to be, it's going to be fix. The decks are going to have a lot of fix. I wouldn't be like, it wouldn't shock me at all if every deck came with a chromatic lantern. Yeah, uh, that would be, like they had to. <laughs> I mean, like, it's just, I, I don't, I honestly cannot see them. People were shocked back in Shards of Alara when they finally printed 
a triple lamb mm-hmm. and not just a, a, a triple lamb because they had a triple lamb before but like a, a really good triple lamb like yeah. there's no drawback to it except for it comes into play tapped mm-hmm. which in the long run for three separate mana <laughs> was like that was great and I, I think I don't think they can go further than that you don't think they can make a four a four, draw, a four color land even if they, even if they did oh, the drawback so cool. would have to be huge <laughs> and I just I just I don't know I just feel like it's it just seems ridiculous to me. At that point, at they the point would, of making a mess, four-color they land... They would mess up the mana game so hard for so many But games. But here's my point is, then again, like I'm thinking about it now, and I'm thinking like, but what would the drawback really be? Because no matter what it is, at that point, you might Ooh, as well run City of Brass what if, and take one damage. What if it taps for a color, but then it can't tap for that color the next turn? I, I just don't think they'll do it. Because at that point, if really, if you think about it, there's enough any color manas out there. There's mm-hmm. Rupture Spire. There's yeah. Command Tower. There's ways there's... to get things to have tap for multicolors. Right. Like, I just think there's so much out there that I really do feel like a four-color mana is unnecessary. Well, I hope they do do at, at least what you said and Dramatic have... Lantern. That and, like, at least one, like two or three three-color lands. They'll have Command Tower for sure. Yeah. Because they always do. They'll have Rupture Spire for sure. Mm. And uh, they'll have probably, I mean, if they're smart, Trans Guild Promenade is the other Rupture Spire. Or something similar. Yeah. You know what I mean? They'll have Um, that. Um, Well, before we move on, what color... What color would you color combination would you probably play? Like I said, right now I don't care. Because the at this point, in my mind, I'm like, I'll just run a five-color deck. I think for me, I would probably pick the one that does not have blue. So white, red, green, and black. I would, I would play any of <laughs> Naya them. plus bla- uh, black. <laughs> like, like I said, the, at, that, at that point, the colors just don't matter to me. Mm. Because, I mean, really... Okay, that's a lie. In a four-color commander, I would probably play... The one I wouldn't play would be the one that doesn't have green. Because in a four-color commander, mm-hmm. if I was going to run a four-color, even though I should just run five at that point, but let's just say there was a really cool ability, if I'm running four-color, I want mana, and I want it proper. And green, so I'm going to want green gonna to give it fix to me my mana. Yeah. I'm going to want my Kadama's Reaches, my Sakura Tribe Elders, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I'm going to want um, all, you know, well, I was going to say Rampant Growth, but that's a cheese lame card that I don't play. Um, but I'm going to want all of the ramp that I can get to throw into the deck and be like, here, I'm fixed. Like, my colors are fixed. Um, so I wouldn't play the black, blue, white, red commander, most likely. Mm-hmm. I say that, but, like, you know, unless once again, unless the ability <laughs> is so amazing that I'm just like, well, now I have I to play this commander. Only time will tell. Yeah. Um, um you want to go yeah, for that? Yeah, sure. Time? So, um, uh, uh, in addition to that, they also announced what the set after Eldritch Moon is going to be. Uh, and that's going to be Kaladesh, Chandra's home plane, which is a very. A, uh, the, 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 their lines are Imagination, Invention, and Ingenuity await when we debut Kaladesh. Um, and it's, it's very much a high. It's like a techno fantasy kind of plane. Um, uh, reminds me a lot of steampunk. like steampunk. Yeah, steampunk, steampunk, and like uh, reminds me of Eberron a little bit oh, from D and D. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but um, but it seems cool. They they announced their planeswalker for uh, Kaladesh, uh, whose name whose name is Kaladeshi. <laughs> That's not true. Don't listen to me. 
Jangus is looking it up, but I can make more names for it. Let's go with Kaladesh Ur or Kalamadesh or Kaldesh Kadesh I am literally just rambling right now. I know. Uh, I don't think I want to edit this out either. I think I want to leave this ramble in <laughs> just so people know how long I, this I got it. Sahili Ra is her uh, Rai. Sahili Ra. Really close with Kaldameshi. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's a. Uh, she seems cool. Uh, definitely seems like she'll be kind of like uh, an artifact. I definitely feel like the whole pl- the whole set's going to be very artifacty. Um, I hope not. You really? Yeah. You don't think like Thopters and like I'm just so tired of Mirrodin, <laughs> and yeah. we just had Mirrodin again, and it was great. But like, let's let's move away. Let's give me something new. Um, but I mean, just like what what can you do for like a techno plane? You know, listen, that is not for us to decide. That is for <laughs> literally the wizards to decide. <laughs> wizards are uh, are research and development. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, they Kaladesh, and they also announced what the second set of Kaladesh will be, which is Aether Revolt, um, which is ingenuity will only get you so far when the revolt comes. Uh, so I guess things aren't always so nice on Kaladesh. Kaladesh, um, please. I know that they did mention Kaladesh back during the, uh, I think it was... Magic o- Origins. Origins, yeah. yeah because it's Sh- Chandra's home plane. So like we saw some glimpses of Kaladesh back then, but now we're, we're there. <laughs> Meh. Like I said, I... Story-wise, I'm just like, whatever. I just Show me the cards, and then I'll be like, oh, okay, this is great. <laughs> or, uh, not so great. Uh, um, yeah, so then after uh, that... Um, it well, turning it... Well, part of that, they're talked about... Do you, uh, you want to talk about the new... Their new uh, product... Uh, what what uh, Product delivery, I guess, would say. No, that's not a good one either. Um, the new freaking fat packs. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> the bundle and planeswalker yeah, decks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is interesting too, but they're the weird thing is is supposedly they're going to be making a deck that revolved around planeswalkers. And I don't know if they're going to be current or old. They but said I, they, they said, said it's gonna, gonna be a planeswalker like, that's relevant for the set. But it's not tournament legal, right? It is tournament legal. Are you sure? Yes. That just seems so weird to me that they're going to just be handing out planeswalkers. But these planeswalkers are going to be clunky, they said, and not like and tw- more thematic, yeah. right? They're not meant to be played in a a, a, a competitive, suit, yeah, and competitive environment. I feel like this is just gonna this is gonna end up biting. They're gonna bite. It's just it's gonna be bad. I don't know. I I like the idea because planeswalkers are so cool and they're always so hard to get. And like Magic wants to make it. I mean, normally. But I, f- but I also feel like that's part of the allure. Yeah. No, of course. If you're um, getting planeswalkers, like if you can just go out and buy a planeswalker deck, like it, I think it, it gets rid of some of that, some of that magic. Ah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, but um, no one could see that. But Jenkins <laughs> just took his finger and spun it in the air. This little <laughs> symbol that we give each other for like a, instead of most people, you know, they do like the drum roll kind of like <laughs> butum. Instead, we just do this thing with finger twist in the air, and it's hard to explain, but he did it. He did it. Um, but I like, I don't know. I think it'll be cool. We'll see how it plays out. You know, it's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but each each pack has, it's very much themed around the Planeswalker. There's cards to get your Planeswalker. There's cards that 
have are related to your planeswalker and then there's creatures that your plane or creatures and spells your planeswalker would use and it's all in that deck it's all tournament legal which is so <laughs> and i'm telling you this now mm-hmm. you heard it here first the planeswalker is going to be crap and everything in that deck except for maybe one card is going to be absolutely horrible possibly um just because you can't you cannot. I just don't think they can flood the market with. A but product these are going to re- these are going to replace the intro packs. Yeah, that makes sense because mm. intro packs are horrible <laughs> and no one really buys them anymore. So they want to get more people to buy the intro packs. Um, um, in addition, plane chase anthology. Well, do you want to talk about the bundle? There's just one slight change to the bundle, which was fat packs. Yeah, um, I mean, go ahead if you want to. Yeah, it's just small. Um, they're changing fat packs over to calling them bundles. Um, they're pretty much the same thing, have all the same things, except same price point, one extra booster pack, yeah. which is cool, um, you know, because before you got nine booster packs in a fat pack, but now you're getting ten booster packs in a bundle, which I really appreciate because, you know, more cards, more value. Yeah, um, that's but, uh, uh, it's nice. But, yeah. I mean, Plane Chase, uh, Chase Anthology yes. coming out. Which is... <laughs> which is you know, just ten like people were so excited for that. I know, right? <laughs> um, I mean, don't get me wrong. There were some I missed out on Plane Chase 2.0. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'd invest in the anthology. Maybe if I was splitting with somebody to give them all the 1.0 plane chases. Um, but it's not even the planes that I really want. There were just cards. I mean, really. Do you think they'll have the cards? Yeah, it's going to be just like Dual Decks Anthology. Really? It's Yeah. Dual oh, Decks wow. Anthology came with every single Dual Deck up until like whatever time the Anthology. Like It had the... Oh, my God. Jason I Chandra had, <laughs> had Elves and Goblins, the first one. Wow. It had... Which is an expensive deck. <laughs> um, it had Divine versus Demonic. Like It had all those really old, expensive decks because it was the Anthology. So Plane uh, Chase Anthology will do the same thing. And, I mean, one of my favorite commanders was printed in Plane Chase. And that's Maelstrom Wanderer. That's true. You know, so One of my favorite commanders was play, uh, printed in Plane Chase. That's Throwmock the Insatiable. Well, that's right. <laughs> both of them were Plane Chase too. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, I may. I may. I don't know. Like I said, I don't need the 1.0. Maybe mm-hmm. if I split it with somebody that doesn't have the 1.0 cards, we'll go in on it. But, um, yeah. So there was that. And then probably the least exciting of <laughs> all of the uh, releases. Even less exciting than Plane Chase. Would be um, in my and my personal opinion would be the new dual decks. I mean, dual decks aren't for everybody. But I like the dual decks, but I just feel like they get more and more dumb. Yeah, I mean, like Nissa versus Optic. Think Souls. of how they began. Do you think they'll be planeswalkers? Yeah. Do you think they'll put the like? Yeah, it'll be the new Nissa and the new Obnix list from Zendikar. I don't mind that. I kind of want those cards. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, I, I'm thinking to myself, once again, going back, we were just talking about I guess the it's anthology. just cheaper to buy the singles. <laughs> but it's not even that. My point is is that if you look at the history of the dual decks, there have been some really awesome dual decks, especially in the beginning, like Elves versus Goblins. The reason it's so much is because the cards that you got in those decks were insane. Mm-hmm. Well-constructed dual decks, a lot of really like nice Elves, nice Goblins, really staple cards for well-played decks because goblins and elves are still played to this Mm -hmm. day in several formats and that is just a solid deck divine versus demonic came with like an acroma up front Mm -hmm. not to mention a demonic tutor reprint with alternate art which already (laughs) right there you were just like these are worth it 
then we sort of like truck along here and we go to Jace versus Chandra and then Lily versus Garak. And now like I'd say like nine out of every ten dual decks is just a walker versus a walker. And I think that's the just cards you get are just like I mean that's ugh. just I think that's wizards trying to like push their story meta as well as like It is. You know, I mean the, they the, had I the mean new... it's clear the planeswalkers are the their uh the front of their advertising. Right. You know. It's not, you know, that's, you know, they're the these figureheads. You right. know, it's not, it's not this lowly little creature. You know, it's. <laughs> I just think that the the quality of dual decks has gone down. Yeah. Um, and that's it. I mean, they, in the same announcement that we read, they also, you know, reiterated the new conspiracy. But we talked about that last time. Um, but all in all, that's a lot of stuff coming out to the already huge list of Magic product that's going to come out in the next year. Mm-hmm. Um. Money, 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 money. That's, I mean, that's what they want. <laughs> I mean, again, in relation to money, uh, our next topic is the uh, the <laughs> the change and then rescinding. Uh, well, not even rescinding the uh, mea culpa, so to speak, mm-hmm. of the platinum, uh, the pro club points system. Yep. Um, so, do you want to take it? Or you want me? No, to? go ahead. All right. Uh, so. <laughs> and uh in April uh Wizards announced that they are uh April <laughs> the dates are important April 24th they announced that they're changing the 2016 and 2017 uh Premier Play system their their pro player system uh the way the system works is you you get pro points and you try to get to platinum because at platinum you get uh you get money for showing up at events because you're a high value player, they want you to show up at events, so they give you appearance fees, and you know you get it's it's you know it's it's kind of like getting, being paid to play Magic, which is the dream for a lot of Magic players. Sure. Um, but uh, in April, on April 24th, they announced they were going to change it, and the effects were going to be in the middle of the pro season, not even at the end, but smack dab in the middle of people have already spent money to try to get to the point that they're changing. Um, so, And also, I mean, you should realize here that Platinum Pro's original appearance fee was three grand. They were going to knock it to 250 bucks. <laughs> okay? Like, that's not... It's not like they were changing it and they're like, oh, it was three grand and let's make it like 2,500 bucks. They were literally going from like, you show up to this Pro Tour... You get three grand yeah. to. We'll give you two hundred and fifty bucks. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Uh, the the reason they did all this was because they wanted to take that money. Their their reasoning was they wanted to take that money and put it more towards the pot of the world championship to make the world championship pot a lot more uh, appealing and more like you know they they want that esports of it all. You know, like it's a huge pot. These people are playing for this much money. Isn't that crazy? Um. So. <laughs> <laughs> people got really annoyed. Mm. Um, <laughs> people got crazy annoyed. The whole internet blew up. Um, pros threatened to stop playing Magic. Uh, people who were aspiring to become, you know, top level competitors, like, you know, why am I even playing this game anymore? You know, so you know, so much negative, negative, negative press for Magic. Oh yeah. Two days later, they released. Uh, they're 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 mea culpa. They're sorry. Mm-hmm. We are deeply sorry. Were the words? Um, 
because you know they they're like that's you know we obviously did not understand we did not understand <laughs> that you know um bending you over was a bad thing yeah uh, we didn't so. understand that you were people who had to eat and live and uh, relied on some of this money. We, we, we didn't really get that you were doing this for a living, and that's the only way you could compete at this level. We just assumed the money was just uh, an extra bonus. Yes, that's, that is actually what they thought. It's like, these people have money. They don't need our money. It's like, no. We need our money. <laughs> um, so essentially for the 2016-27, so what they eventually decided – uh, no change. No that's, change. That's the biggest thing. I mean, to the platinum status. Yeah. But the pr- interestingly enough, the increase to the prize pool still is going to remain. It's almost like they had the money the entire time. Almost. And did, and <laughs> almost like there was no reason for them to try and draw the money. That in fact they could have just provided it on their own with already what they have. But they will. Uh, they said that they mu- they this. It's only for this season. They could still change it for the next season. Right, they could, but I have a feeling it, it, they will. And when they do, though, I'm sure it will be there will be something a little more palatable to the pro One players. One can only hope. Um, but I think that also, I also find it interesting that so they're like, we're sorry, we're not going to do the thing. We are going to keep the increase in prize money. Isn't that great? And everybody's like, oh, okay, this is even better than before. We get to keep our appearance fees, and there's more money in the pot. Then, like, a week later, it's like, by the way, we're going to release 50 different product lines this year. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, that's where the extra money is coming from. Probably. That's the reason for this big drop of, like, we're going to do the Commander four colors. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. Kyle, you know. Everything is snowballing because I think that, don't get me wrong, I'm sure they have the money without it, Mm -hmm. but I do think that was a big reason for all of the extra product product announcements. Mm -hmm. Get people excited now to spend a lot of money because they want to make sure that they get maximum money for each product so they can really hold to this prize pool increase without having Uh, to worry about losing too much money. um, You know. I mean, I can't speak for. Apparently, Wizards got a new pres- a CEO mm-hmm. in the interim between this whole escapade. Um, I don't know if this is Wizards feeling pressure from like other things that they have to kind of like beef up their their appearance. You know, they have to puff up their chest a little bit. Be like, hey, magic is still cool and everyone still plays it, kind of thing. Um, I don't know if that's why they wanted the larger pot. I don't know. I feel like it, it's, it has such a dedicated player base and it grows every day. I don't yeah. think that they're... This isn't like World of Warcraft. The numbers haven't haven't dwindled down to to the littles. I don't like, think... We, uh, have we ever seen like a uh, a numbers of like... I don't know if they do the numbers game. Yeah. I'm I would, sure we, I would, we'll I research be, for our next podcast. Be, yeah, that'd be something I'd be curious because I'm curious as to see how much Hearthstone has taken away from their thunder a little bit. Yeah. Especially since Hearthstone, Hearthstone has... A better online presence than Magic's, which is Moto, which is really desperate need of being improved. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, since we're just bringing it up, we might as well get into it. Yeah. Um, but I think that, I mean, you're right. First and foremost, you know, people can say what they want. Oh, like Windows PCs are like the leading PCs in the world. That's fine. But to ignore the fact that Apple computers are now in the hands of of several consumers to ignore that fact I think is blatant laziness and ignorance on the part of a company. Mm-hmm. If you're going to make a game, 
you really should take the extra time to develop it equally for both platforms. Mm-hmm. And Blizzard has. Yeah. F- for all of their games. And Hearthstone included. So that right there already gives them a, a one-up on Magic Online because MTGO I mean, yeah. is Windows only. It is. I wanted to play MTGO a long time ago and just gave up because I was just like, I, I'd have to either do boot camp and reboot in Windows or I'd have to run some sort of parallels. And I was just like, none of this is worth the time or effort, especially when I'm going to have to pay for MTGO anyway. Mm-hmm. Hearthstone, free. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean freemium but free well, you could play it for free you can but let's face it like you know you get addicted you're gonna pay money yeah um but i think the big thing you know also i don't know i guess this is the same with magic online too but like the thing that i, I realized about hearthstone and it is the same for magic online so in this respect they're the same um and i found this out because a friend of mine just recently told me that he was into it and uh my friend john he uh he travels a lot and you know, John yeah. goes from like place to place for work. So I think an online card game that's accessible to a lot of people is great for people whose lives can't be, if they can't have a collection with them at all times. Yeah, for sure. Having your having your collection instantly at your fingertips, especially because Hearthstone also has an app, mm-hmm. which oh, a great app. Yeah which MTGO <laughs> does not. You can't play it mobily, right? I mean, I'm not yep. wrong. You can't play it on the iPad you can or only iPhone. You or can play their dual, or whatever their Oh, forget their about that recent. crap. Like I'm just saying, game. but that's yeah. what is their, their online, their mobile offering is that. Right. So I think in that regard, that makes Hearthstone a lot more accessible to mm-hmm. several For sure. Several I think people. that's definitely an area where magic is lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if they'll try to like push into that zone more. Right. Um, you know, it would definitely, there'd be definitely like a lot of, gro- I don't know, I want, it's not growing pain, mm-hmm. but like transitional pain because like, do you bring all the people, all the sets of all the people who have, you know, he's huge magic to gathering online sets. Do you let them keep all those cards? You'd to have move to. On? They've I paid mean, money. Yeah. I mean, Hey, you know, <laughs> I mean, after what happened, like I, I don't know. Past them, yeah. Yeah. But I think that, you know, something I always found interesting that I would love, and it's something a card game has never done. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! sort of did it, in a, but not in, a, not in a way that would, would be able to work for something like Magic. But I really wish there was a system where your physical and online cards matched. Mm-hmm. Like, you had to own a physical copy of the card to get the digital or even vice versa. If you paid for a pack digitally, they send you a customized pack in the mail of the physical cards. Ooh. But I'm not sure. No. I think I think the best way to do it wouldn't be doing the digital way. I think the best way to do it would be like if you had the physical cards, you could do it digitally, but you couldn't do it the other way around. I think yeah. that would be the best option. But the problem is, is there's no way... The only way I can think of that ever functioning is if like Wizards had like designated but even then this would be so prone to corruption but if there was like designated like places like dealers like big time dealers like you know channel fireball or something places Mm -hmm. you could go to with like well-respected high-level judges that inspect your cards make sure they're real and then send something into wizards and then they update your magic online account with the cards that you actually own. Like that would be the only way I think they could do it because I mean, I I mentioned Yu-Gi-Oh did it in one way, but it's not something that would work for MTGO because then everybody would have every card. 
Yu-Gi-Oh! system, since it wasn't an online game, they didn't have to worry about like actual collections, mm-hmm. was every card had a unique identifier code, and in their video games, if you yes. just plugged in the car- code, you, you got the card. Mm-hmm. So in one way or another, it was sort of like if you had the card in real life, you had it on your database, which is fine. Obviously, you can't do that with MPGO because then everybody would have every card instantly because people would just be like, here's the code for Black Lotus. <laughs> nuts, guys. Like, you know what I mean? So, um, I think they would, they could do it. They would just have to change the design of the cards. Right. And like, I don't know if they'd be able to do that at this point in the game. I just think that, I really I do feel think like the that simplest the simplest thing would be to keep them separate. But I well, just think that that would be... Well, I would say, like, the simplest thing if they were to do it is when you buy a pack, you get a code for a digital pack. That has the same cards in it? No. Just or just a random digital just pack? random digital pack. But then they still have the issue of that you're... Yeah, I know. But I mean, like, that's... Without, without like, you know, getting too much into, like, corruption, like, right. that's the simplest way to do it. It's true. <laughs> um... Will they do it? Probably no. not. No. <laughs> probably never. They'll probably keep it separate. Um, I doubt they'll even make MTGO for Mac ever. I just don't see them too stuck in the ways. Um, yeah. So kind of rounding out our magic section, yeah. I <laughs> guess, would be uh, somebody released. Now, I guess we, we're, we're taking this for face value, saying this is a real document. Could it be fake? Could be. Yeah, could be. It could be. Um, but someone apparently leaked a document from 1993 of Richard Garfield, the creator of Magic, his original... Like, design... Um, like Rules. Yeah. That's his, 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 his way of designing Magic cards. Like, what he said were things that you always had to abide by and things that he said you don't have to abide by, but it would be good to keep in mind. So essentially, it's a one it's one page document, and well, it seems to be the first page of the document. Right. Well, I mean, what I'm saying is yeah. what we have in front of us, uh, and a number of these rules are preceded by a number from one to five that indicates, uh, and I quote this, the rigor with which the rule should be followed. A five indicates always without exception. Four means almost always, all the way down to one, which just means, you know, whenever you feel like it. That's mm-hmm. that's the quote from the actual thing here. So, like, the fives that they have, things that are, if this is real, things that he said always must, you know, they, di- they must adhere to in an expansion is, uh, firstly, that all spells with the same name should uh, be unchanged from release to release, though the frequency may be changed and each release uh even the spell uh, even the same spells will be given new um pictures. pictures so in other words like if you've noticed you know a fireball is a fireball mm-hmm. might I look at it a lightning bolt is a lightning bolt but you should give it a new picture and update it in some way but the spelling of the card has to remain the same and the way the card and the works. way exactly and the way the card reads and works should remain the same that was his like one of his ultimates uh all, one of the other fives is all wording must be precise and literally inter, inter- interpretable on the card do not rely on people understanding the spirit of the card keep in mind ridic- ridiculous effects will happen Fire-breathing walls of water, mosquitoes running the art- artillery, holy-strengthened vampires. You can write some of the exceptions out that really bother you, but be aware some will be there regardless. Right. So that's pretty much like, that's just so it can be an accessible game. Because you want people to, when they see a card, you want them to be like, oh, what does this even mean? Uh, like, what is fire-breathing? Uh, but it says, hey, fire-breathing, whenever you tap this mana, it gives this creature plus one, plus zero. 
you know mm-hmm. i honestly they've moved away from that but um but it's still the spirit is there they do they do include the keywords in each uh set so you know like especially in the fat packs so you know what the set keywords mean right um but it, that's that's pretty smart especially for a game that you want to be able to be played by anybody you know you want it to be sure that people look at a card and understand it immediately right they don't have to read into it or anything they just get it mm-hmm. um so then we have his fours his first four was uh all common cards should be simple <laughs> requiring little reading to understand. That's why, you know, your basic common is like your 1-1 one, one dink that, yeah, you know... Right. With a whole bunch of flavor. That's it. <laughs> you know, I was the dinkiest of dinks <laughs> in the holy land of dinklebergs. <laughs> I, am, I am the ultimate 1-1. One, one. <laughs> Sir Dink of Dink. Lord of Dinkleberg. <laughs> you ever, you ever, you ever, do you ever wonder what the artists must think? <laughs> Like, I always feel bad because, like, there's always these really talented artists, and I just think of how many common cards I just don't even look at. <laughs> like, I, it's a common, it's a 1-1, one, one, it's gone. And then someone's like, did you see the really cool art for this card? I'm like, no, because I don't care about the dink 1-1. One, <laughs> one. And I'm just thinking, like, do they tell them ahead of time? Like, or do they just say, do we, we need X kind of art? And then they're like, here's my masterpiece. What are you putting it on? Oh, it's going on 1-1 one, one dinky. Like, you know what I mean? Like, here it is. I feel like the, um, to keep everything, like, level. High quality, they don't tell them. They don't tell them. No. <laughs> Think of how that's got to feel. You crack open a pack, you're like, oh, here it is. My art was used. It's like 1-1 it's like one, one dink. <laughs> no. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, their other, f- oh, another four is, Keep overt humor to a minimum. The tone of the game is serious, even though you can find humor in it. The number of times I have personally been turned off a product appealing to my sense of fantasy because heavy-handed humor destroyed my ability to get beyond the cardboard is great. So, pretty much, like, magic is serious. I mean, it's not that it's serious, but, like... You gotta you take do- it serious, man. It's real. <laughs> magic is real, man. You want, you want the... This th- is real life. You this want the... Th- uh, the part of what makes it good is that it's the theme is, like, solid. They don't, they don't stray from, like, you know, there's a, a jokey card. There's a little joke. Not a ton of joke, though. Um, and they saved their most jokiest cards for, like, the unglued and unhinged sets. And for the dinks. And the dinks. With the flavor text. <laughs> That's where the there's, jokes there's are. There's definitely some inside jokes and a lot of flavor text. Yep. Um, but for the most part, cards are fairly serious. Niv miss its original flavor text? What was it? Look it up. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> While Jengis looks up Niv miss its flavor text, um, the last four that Richard Garfield had is the nature of each magic should be respected, if not the spell effect, at least in the spell name. And that is that red should represent destructive military earth fire chaos. Blue should represent artifice, trickery, illusion, air, and water. Uh, Green should represent nature and life. Black should be death and evil. And white should be good construction, uh, knightly military, and order. So, um, you know, the card itself can not necessarily have an effect that has to do with one of those things, but if it doesn't, then at least the name or the flair of the card should have to do with the overall color of the magic that it is uh, it is representing. So his flavor text is <laughs> uh, Z, nine, uh, 90 degrees, E uh, minus E minus N to the second power, W, 90 degrees, T equals one. 
uh, <laughs> which is pretty much Niv Mizzet equals one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> but case in point, a little bit of humor that they injected. Yes. You know what I mean? doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's there. Um, this was Niv Visit the Fire Mind, if you want to look it up yourself, yeah. from Guild Pack. <laughs> um, the only three they have here uh, that Richard Garfield made was, he said, use names that are easily modifiable. For example, Bears is not as good as Grizzly Bears or War Bears because the former will be awkward to vary. <laughs> Correspondingly, Orcs will have a tribe and so forth. So essentially, that's where he was introducing types. Mm-hmm. And he was also saying, like, you know, it's better to give adjectives into something so you can use a similar flavor card with the base creature rather than having just the base creature and then trying to do the reverse because then people are going to be like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Bears did this. Why, do, why are grizzly bears, which are also just bears, why are they so different? Whereas, you know, grizzly bears versus war bears, there's a distinction there. Yeah, for sure. Um, going to the twos. One, uh, if you have a slightly different spell from a previous release, give it a slightly different name. Going back to that grizzly bears and war bears thing, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that cards are, if cards are similar, you recognize that they're similar, but you recognize also they're different cards. Right. Demonic tutor, diabolic tutor. Same card, slightly different because they increased the casting cost because demonic tutor was two mm-hmm. for an amazing ability. Uh, if you know. If you don't play, it's uh, tap one black, tap one colorless, and find yourself any card from your deck and put it in your hand. Your opponent doesn't get to see it or anything. You just literally search for a card. Way too powerful, way too early in the game. So they increased it by one extra black mana and one extra colorless mana and called it Diabolic Tutor um, as opposed to Demonic Tutor. So slightly different name for a card that has a similar effect, mm-hmm. but it's just you know been modified slightly. Yeah. Um, the next two is that uh, antipathy between opposite magics should be observed. Red spells that are particularly effective or ineffective against blue spells, for example. Um, so, in other words, like the idea that certain colors crash against, uh, they clash against each other, and you know the super effective list, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, you want to make sure that. Uh there's, you know, it's just part of the whole, which also leads into similar spells and opposite colors, which is a one. These are ones now. Right. There's two ones. Uh, similar spells and opposite colors should be made, quotes, you, or parentheses, you grow to resemble the enemy. For example, Angel and Vampire, Force of Nature and Balrog. Right. So just, you know, you want to, you know, it's part of the, f- the whole flavor of the game is that, you know, these things are, you know, two sides of the same coin. Uh, so to speak, or like right. mirror images or something like that. Exactly. While, while an angel will heal you, a demon will a vampire damage, will or do damage to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and sympathetic magics should work well together. Red spells that help black, for example. Um, there was none of this intentionally, uh, but it's in the background design intention. Um, so essentially, like, you know, red and black. Red is destructive and black is death, so they should work hand-in-hand together. Um, You know, you have uh, green and white, which green is, you know, the nature and life, and white is, like, the good and the construction, so those should go together, too. So, essentially, those last two rules were, 
just observe ally and enemy rules of colors. Mm -hmm. And while that wasn't like a huge thing, you, while they, you know, you can sort of break beyond those boundaries, it was just something he had kind of put in there originally. So all in all, it's a really interesting document. I mean, mm -hmm. there's more to it than that on that one page, but those are those are the main points that I think we kind of wanted to get yeah, to. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's just it's very interesting how s most most of the rules, or most of the original design ideas, have stayed true for the most uh, for the most part. Yeah. Throughout once the years. again, this is all riding on the fact that this is in fact yeah. an actual document and not just somebody thinking they've discovered what magic is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would like to think it's real. Me too. I mean, it makes but sense. But so do kids with Santa Claus. And that's true. I'm not going to say the thing because I don't want a five-year-old that's listening to this podcast. Oh, there's no five-year-olds listening to this. But you don't know that, Dave. You know what I was going to say, everybody <laughs> out there. You know. You know. <laughs> and that's that. Santa's real. Stay happy, kids. That's All right. right. So Magic is real, everybody. That's right. Um, um, yeah. D&D time. Yeah, so probably like the smoothest transition from magic to D&D we'll ever get. Would be just combine <laughs> the two in a magic D&D sandwich. <laughs> uh, Wizards in their releasing, let's just release everything trade, uh, was, uh, had released a Dungeons and Dragons campaign setting of the magic plane of Zendikar. Mm -hmm. um, blending magic and D&D is something that fans of both games have tried to do for a long time. I remember when I was younger, uh, uh, my buddy Chris would always like try and always kept trying to figure out a way to incorporate like the cards of magic with D&D, &D, like trying to play magic at the same time while role playing and having mm -hmm. a D&D &D campaign. It just never really worked out. But now, with all the art and all the lore that you know magic has, D&D &D is testing. Wizards is testing the waters with this D&D campaign, mm -hmm. and they brought out a design doc for... It's really kind of like a... A little supplement. Yeah. Of um, th what... 38 pages. It's not huge, but it's not small. No. They definitely put time and effort into it. They did. Um, um, and it's just a way if you want to play some like interesting magic characters. Mm -hmm. By all means, it's nothing all-encompassing. But for what it is, it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean... I mean, I like the idea of... I mean, just you don't think about that sometimes in the whole grand scale of these magic sets, like the the world. I mean, sometimes you the get lore. it. Yeah, the lore. Yeah. Like sometimes you get it. Like you don't think. I guess the way is you don't think of it as a lived-in world. Sometimes right. you think of it like you know these events happen when we're there, you know, and then when we're gone. They don't happen anymore. Also, <laughs> you know, we said before magic focuses on the planeswalkers. This D and D game. I mean, granted, most DMs inevitably would figure out a way to make, I'm sure, make the PCs planeswalkers oh, because everybody wants something. to be a planeswalker. <laughs> but the campaign setting as is, the supplement, doesn't focus on walkers. They focus on the living beings, the everyday, the one-one dinks That's right. of the magic world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and Which is great because, once again, taking it back, if you look at the supplement, they, they're throwing in all of this wonderful art that was made for Zendikar. Mm -hmm. And some of it, you know, yeah, maybe is a one-one dink or something that's not used often. And that's just because it's beautiful art and works well for the campaign setting. Um I would love if they did more of this. Yeah, for sure. For each plane. Yeah. That would be great. It'd be great to see what different races they come up with and, you know, some some class changes. Um, but I think that would be a lot. That's a lot to ask for. Mm -hmm. I, doubt, I doubt they would do more than just this one plane. I think the, the best thing they could do would be some, a lar like one book, maybe like one book of like 
magic D and D kind of thing. I don't know what they would call it. They would probably some fancy words, um, or a fancy title for it. But like something that would Fifth include plans walking. Yeah, something. Something that would include not only well in the document they they go over what Zendikar is, um, you know, and then you know what kind of adventures you would have in Zendikar, kind of where the place the places you would go in Zendikar right. for the most part. And it's then, a campaign setting, a yeah. very light campaign setting. And then they go into the races, and they go into a small bestiary. Like these are these are things additional that, creatures. These are things that are similar, so you can look it up in the monster manual. But then here's some things that don't exist. So, you know, like you know, uh, they're like some specific creatures. But it's like dragon's a dragon. You know, just <laughs> a dragon is the same probably as it is in D and D as it would be in Magic. Um, I would like for them to make like a full kind of fully fleshed out sup like supplement book that would have classes like I an mean, actual campaign setting. yeah i would yeah. even if it's just the only class was planeswalker that'd be fine like <laughs> hey listen i'll be honest while this is all well and good for D D, yeah great but i really do feel that if you really want to light my nerd senses on fire you really want to get me like crazy town the thing that i think would really come make my me baby, go nuts come come my baby would my be butterfly sugar baby. <laughs> 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 thing, i can't even right now um, but no but like seriously the thing that would really get me nuts i think would be the reverse of this mm-hmm. you tell me D&D that the next expansion after the Kaladesh. Kaladesh block is the forgotten, re- the plane <laughs> of the forgotten realms. I would just, I don't, I, w- I don't, I don't know, I don't know. My you, head would. Explode. You would probably want to own every card. From I would want to. I, I definitely, without a doubt. And then you have like Elminster Planeswalker, oh. and I would just be like, forget it. I would just like, I would die. I would just die. <laughs> they bring out a book. Where Elminster and Jace meet and, I'd, and they battle. Oh, I love it. Sorry, Jace. <laughs> Elminster would win, but <laughs> let's just hey, D D all the way. Yeah. But I just, I would love that. Yeah, I could tell. I would just love that <laughs> more so, more so than I love this campaign setting. I think I would love to have the reverse happen. I, I would love to have D and D infect magic a little mm-hmm. bit rather than this. Um, but this is this is step one, baby this steps. Step one, I would, but like, can you imagine? Can oh. you imagine? <laughs> Uh, legendary elf Drizzt do order. Right? <laughs> like black black green? I dude, if you look online, he's there's so many colors that he's been because let me put it this way. Black, green, blue? D and D infecting magic. This is not the first time this idea has been thought. It's the same company. Wizards owns both properties. Like this is something that could be done, but tons of people put it out there. And I've seen him be many different colors. The three colors it's I think he'd be triple color and I think the three colors that make the most sense would be white, black, green. White, black, green. That makes sense. I really do think that would be dritzed in a <laughs> nutshell. Um but anyway pondering Wolf- aside Wolfgar would be Wolfgar would be Boros. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Teddy Bree would probably be blue. She I don't think she blue would white. be blue white. She'd be blue white. Yeah, yeah. Brunor Battle Battlehammer would be green red. I was gonna say he might just be red. Red. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's really no green there. I'm not sure there's much <laughs> else to him. Yeah. Sorry, Brunor. Jarlaxle. Black. Yeah. Not black, black blue. If anything, black white. 
really? has a Soren thing going for him. You got to remember, he's not he's not blue. He uses magic oh, in magic true. items, but he is not a wizard. Oh, he is, he is just an assassin. Yeah. A really crafty assassin, which is why. But I mean, he does have that good spark in him, so maybe black, white, Soren Ar Artemis type would deal. just be black. Artemis would all be, would just be dead, <laughs> pitch black, um, zombie human. <laughs> Regis would probably. I see Regis being like blue red. Blue red, probably. Maybe that makes sense. It's the, you know, it's, that's that makes sense. Renovar, <laughs> yeah, Art a green artifact. <gasps> That'd be or cool. even a blue artifact, maybe I don't know. Maybe just but an artifact. Just an artifact in general. Artifact creature. Yeah. That'd be cool. Uh, Icy Death and Tinkle, do you think? Or just one of them? I think they'd be both. Yeah. I think they, yeah. Same card. Same card. Icy Death and Twinkle is an equipment. Yeah. And do you think the claw of, or the. Callan's claw, totally. <laughs> would be one. Um, yeah. We, we could ponder this forever. Oh, yeah. Like, that'd this be a whole be, other podcast. Yeah, we, could just make, <laughs> we could just start a, par, a, par, a second podcast just called the D&D Magic Phenomenon. I don't know. That's a really bad title. It's a I had to think thing. of it on the fly, and then just nothing came to me except the obvious. That was bad. Uh, moving on. So long story short, if you're interested, check out the world setting of Zendikar. Yes. So it was announced earlier this year, um, but uh, they're making another... D and D movie, mm -hmm. um, you know, to a lot of people's like, yeah, I could see it, but will it be like the first D and D movie or, or the like second, second one, D &D? or will it be like the third one <laughs> or perhaps the fourth one? <laughs> I don't even think I didn't even know they made a fourth one. They did. All right, but um, it looks like they want to get back into this whole game, and that's fine, you know. Uh, I could see it. I could definitely see it. A lot of people love D and D. You know, it's it's part of the mythos of the you know pop culture. Yeah, except that first D and D movie was balls. <laughs> I mean, it, it was endearing in its own way. Snails. That's the only thing it had going for it. And you know what they did with him? Spoiler alert: they killed him. <laughs> but no, he came back in the end. No, he didn't. That's he what it's implied. Dead. He's dead. It's implied he Snails came back. Snails died. The one good part of that movie died, and. It was the just oh, and then you got Jeremy Irons up there, <laughs> just being like, "Wow, I'm a generic villain. Look at me!" Uh, and what's so the movie about? Taking over dragons while going through dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> I did the finger thing. You did the finger thing again. <laughs> um, so for <laughs> I guess we could say that Dean. <laughs> D&D &D and cinema have not been the best. No, the marriage um, has not been good. You know, so what what could they bring to this iteration that would be, you know, uh, I, mean, I, I know what you're going to say. Okay, what am I going to say, Jengis? <laughs> you say, oh, if they made it a Driz Duarden That's movie. fucking right <laughs> I am. Are you joking right now? <laughs> Like literally, I was before you even said that. My response was going to be, "Oh, I could sum it up in two words." It's two words. It's almost like we know, um, but uh, but yeah, that would definitely. Be, or I could sum it up in one other word, Elminster. Elminster. Yeah, I definitely think you know. I mean, you could. I mean, but Forgotten Realms. Forgotten Realms definitely. Yeah, Ari Salvatore. They. <laughs> the, the, I think the problem with the other D and D movies, they they were just going for an original story. And I think they need to just make an adaptation of stuff that they have done already. They have a plethora of amazing stories. And two characters, you know, love them or hate them, Forgotten Realms is represented mostly by Dritzt 
and Elminster. Like mm-hmm. they, when you think Forgotten Realms, those are the Titanic characters you think of. And there's a reason for that. And it's not just that they're awesome and they're really powerful. It's that there are stories behind these characters that are fantastic. Um, in my personal opinion is that Dritz's story is the stronger, but it would be hard to do Dritz. And year, don't, get, don't get me wrong, for years people have asked Bob Salvatore, they've been like, dude, are you making a movie? And his response is always the same. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but really that's not a question for me. That's a question for Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast. Of course. Because they're the ones that have movie rights. Like mm-hmm. he, he has no control over it, which is a really bad thing because then you have to think even if they do do it, are they? How much creative control are they going to give back to him in story structure? Mm-hmm. Because you don't want a DBZ evolution kind of <laughs> thing to go on, like Dragon Ball Evolution. Which, by the way, side note: Did you read that apology? Yes. Yeah, not really our forte on our podcast here, but let me just tell you: If you ever saw that piece of crap movie, Dragon Ball Evolution, the writer of the movie gave like a two-page apology <laughs> recently about how sorry he was for making that movie crap. <laughs> Admitted that he did it for the paycheck and he didn't really love the show and him being a fan of other things, he was like, I know how disappointing it is when someone tramples all over your source material. So long story short, if you hated that movie, you should read his apology because it is, it does make you feel better. It's not enough. <laughs> I won't get that hour back it, from my it, life. It made me feel, <laughs> it made me feel better. Giku. <laughs> um long story short though, uh I feel like Dungeons and Dragons movie from my opinion, I think their best bet would be to do Dritzed. I think because the story is just great. Mm-hmm. But I think if they were to do Dritzed, in my opinion, they would have to do it in the order the books were written. Because even though uh for those of you that don't know Bob Salvatore's books were Star Wars order. Um, his, in yes. the chronological order of Dritz's life, the first book that Bob wrote was technically book four of Dritz's <laughs> life. I feel comfortable with you calling him Bob. <laughs> I, say, I say it because on his website, it's all over. Like, uh, I didn't know that. Everybody calls him Bob. Uh, like, nobody, calls, like, nobody says, hey, R.A. I would call him R.A. Um, <laughs> so... Mr. Not to mention, I, I feel like I'm chummy with him because <laughs> I've met him like once or twice. Oh, there even, you go. Even though like it means nothing, and <laughs> so have millions of people, but I I can dream. Uh, point being is, his he wrote it in Star Wars esque order. The first book he wrote was the Crystal Shard, but in terms of the chronological order of Dritz's life, that is book four. Mm-hmm. So, the reason I think they would have to do it the same way is because Crystal Shard already takes place with Dritz in the above ground world, which mm-hmm. includes all of your fantastical creatures, dwarves, elves, humans, but it's a lot easier of a world to understand than it would be to go directly from the beginning of Dritz's life, mm-hmm. which would be in Menzo Baranzon, would be purely a dark elf movie with nothing else like yeah. that and with a lot of a lot of names <laughs> and places that are hard to pronounce. Like you know, it's like watching Lord of the Rings. When you watch Lord of the Rings, if 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 you're a brand new viewer to the series, there's a learning curve there. Mm-hmm. Because I make this joke all the time: the amount of proper nouns they have in like Lord of the Rings is ridiculous. You know so, what oh, I mean? He's like, he's uh, Aragorn, son of Arathorn. So, <laughs> I call him Strider. He's the Ranger. Like <laughs> these are just things that they just keep saying. Or like um, 
Gandalf. They call him. Uh, oh my God, the words on the tip of my tongue. Oh my God. Uh, Il- uh, hmm. Hmm. Right. I'm bad. Bad nerds, man. Bad, bad nerds. It is gonna come to me. I, we're gonna be. Th- we're Mithrandir. Gonna be, thank you, Mithrandir. Okay. Yes. I had hope- to. I had to put myself in a. In a. <laughs> you had to become an elf for I a second. Had to become an elf. <laughs> and even then, in the movies, I had they to never, become Hugo Weaving for a second. <laughs> it takes. It takes book reading or research to understand why they call him Mith- Mithrandir because they never even explain it in no, the movies. They just say it. it. <laughs> but that's my point. Like a newcomer to Lord of the Rings. Stuff like that is really hard to follow. It takes a couple viewings to understand the majority of what they're talking about. So I know I have some friends who are going to be annoyed with me that I didn't know that off the top oh, of my dude. head. Every, <laughs> we need some friends. Every everybody we know is probably going to be annoyed that we didn't know that immediately. But the point is, we got it, and it didn't take us all night. We could have been halfway through our board game section <laughs> and then just had like screamed Mithrendir in the top of our lungs, but we didn't. We yeah. got there. Okay. Um, Point being, There's I don't think lot. they. Can, I don't think they can start with Menzo Berenzon. Mm-hmm. I really do think that alone. Me saying the city name is enough to make people at home like have an aneurysm. Like Menzo Berenzon, what is that? Um, it's a drow city in the Underdark. What is a drow? <laughs> what is the Underdark? I don't understand. Help. Um, so I do think they need to start with the Crystal Shard. But I think if they were to do that, they might have a really good ongoing series now. Is it uh, now? Pardon me, it's been a while since mm-hmm. I've read the r- original books. Um, is the party, so to speak, together in the Crystal Shard? They are. The okay. story of the Crystal Shard is them getting together fully. I mean, I during def- the Crystal Shard, Cadibri is still sort of younger, um, and Brunor is still kind of iffy on Dritzt a little bit. Um, but the story, the main story of the Crystal Shard is is Wolfgar's inclusion in the story. Regis is just sort of this member of Ten Towns at that point. Caddy Bree is just Brunor's daughter. Brunor is just up in Kelvin's Cairn, just looking after the Battle Hammer, you know, dwarves. Mm-hmm. Um, but in comes this upstart barbarian Wolfgar, trying to prove himself in the world, and him and Dritz get mix up with each other and oh. fight a dragon. They fight icing death. Oh, that's a great movie. <laughs> They'd be great. I just got chills just thinking about it, it. It would be a really good movie, and it would set up for it's your perfect moneymaker sequel because you have all of this lore, and you could keep going. You could go for prequels eventually for the one, two, three. Mm-hmm. You could go for just sequels. Like there's so many things that you could do. You could do both simultaneously. You could tell the story of the first three books in flashbacks that happen throughout other movies. Like you you know could have mean? different like, like little like flashbacks of escaping the underdark right. and like you know training. Right. You know, maybe. There's, there's tons of things you could do there. But point being is that it that would be, for me, that would be my hope of the next mm-hmm. D&D movie. Now, what my expectation is, is Snails is alive again and let's go part two. Like, that's my expectation. Uh, and I'm like, yeah. My expectation. Let's get Christoph Waltz to play another <laughs> generic villain because he's the generic villain of the day. And that's D&D, the movie new. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Um, the search for Curly's gold. Um, <laughs> now, uh, I did read an article that said like they want to do a Guardians of the Galaxy esque kind of picture, where it's like people come from so different. Does everybody? I know. I like, know. But is, I'm just saying, it's just like Batman Begins years ago, and everybody was like, "We need to do gritty superhero but movies." I, now I, it's like we need to do fun <laughs> superhero team ups that involve like '80s music that we can revive in our trailer. I don't think it means that way. I think it means more so like a group of people who originally are very antagonistic to each other come together to fight a mutual evil kind of thing, okay. which is D&D. 
you know, I yeah. could see that. Um, definitely, hey, I mean, that kind of sounds pretty similar to what you described for the uh, the Drizzt story. It does. You know, so not to get, you know, I don't want to get hopes up, like, oh, man, the Drizzt movie, it's happening. Um, but, like, I think that there are definitely, like, there are character archetypes. If you look at the 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 default characters that they they choose for, you know, the not Forgotten Realms, but like the the D and D story, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I did air quotes. Um, you know, you could have like a Tiefling, and like you could have like a Dragonborn. Um, you can, you know, your your requisite human, your requisite elf, your requisite dwarf. You know, like probably elf, human, Dragonborn, Tiefling, and like. Maybe like one more something, another human, probably a love interest for the other human. I mean, <laughs> if if I'm to be like, if I'm writing this screenplay, that's probably what I'll do. <laughs> I'm I'm going to throw this suggestion out there, even though I know wizards will never hear this podcast, but one can dream. <laughs> hey wizards, if you do make a Dritzt movie, which we hope you do, so God help you. Should you not cast a black actor <laughs> as Dritzt Duorden? <laughs> Do not cast a white dude in blackface. Oh my god. It is not a good move. <laughs> you want to score points with the world and have morals and humanity? <laughs> Just make it a black have, man. Have you ever seen? Thank you, good night. Have you ever seen the community episode where they play D&D? No. Oh my god. Um. Well, you know, it's fine. It's just funny that you say that because Ken Jong's character does exactly does that. blackface. And he says, "I'm a drow." And it's like <laughs> when it, you listen, said that, it immediately pictured it in my mind, and I was like, "Oh it, my don't god!" Don't get me wrong, Larpers of the world, those that go and you know do live action role playing, it's that's something different. You know, you are portraying a dark elf. You you got to do your thing, but it just I really do feel like. The whole story of Dritzt at that point is so heavily steeped in themes of racism Mm -hmm. that I really feel it would be important for a black man to play that role. Yeah, I agree. Because that is that's one of the brilliant thing. That's one of the brilliant things that Ari Salvatore tackles with his stories is the blatant it's the blatant racism it it's it is the blacism the blacism sorry um <laughs> yeah uh he is literally a black elf they call it dark elf but he is a black elf and by they're, skin they're color trusted. alone yeah. they're not trusted people hate them people despise them um you know the m- the knights of the world, aka the police, <laughs> are always giving him a hard time. Like it is, it is an issue he tackles tastefully, and I really do feel like if this is to come, if it's gonna, if it's gonna come to pass, that they should be smart and respectable and do the right thing for sure. Um, but once again, who am I? Who are we? <laughs> Mere podcasters and fans. <laughs> Mere fans. Mere fans. Uh, but yeah, it would be cool. What about uh, you? Anything, uh, huh. or is that pretty where you're on page with me? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, th- I definitely think it would be a great story. Um, I wouldn't mind, you know, I, but I would not be if the, it just has to be good, you know. Yeah. That's all you ever want. 
like regardless of what they do, that's asking. Be a lot. good. <laughs> I know. Be good and be loyal to the 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 heart of D and D. Yeah. You know the source material. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Don't you know make. Um. But uh, yeah, that's it. That yeah. I would say. Just I just want it to be a good movie. Just like you know, I've you know we've been lucky with comic book Marvel comic book movies. You know, like they can't been... Marvel unless Disney buys D and D. Yeah, Disney buys Wizards. Oh my god, That'd New Planeswalker, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, um yeah. Oh so I mean, you mean Kingdom Hearts? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, essentially. Uh, Sora would definitely be a Planeswalker. Yeah, for sure. We can't get into this. This is another no. thing that we can have another <laughs> podcast on. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anyway, I'm really starting to think that this needs to be a thing. <laughs> just all the ways we can apply other things to D&D and, and D&D to other things um, and magic and just, I don't know, go nuts. So our last section of D&D for this episode is a, a fun new segment we have. Considering our show is still pretty much a baby, yeah. everything we have is a new segment, but... This new segment, fancy, <laughs> is called The Random NPC. Uh, in this little piece, Jenks and I are going to roll random names off of the 5th edition DM screen. There's a name generator. Um, you roll a d20 uh, three times, and that tells you the beginning, middle, and end of the name of an NPC. Mm-hmm. And based on the names that we get in 30 seconds to a minute... We're going to create a backstory slash character profile for these random NPCs. Feel free to use them in your D&D game. <laughs> Feel free to play as them in your D&D game. Either option is fine. Uh, would you like to go first? Sure. All right. All right. Roll, sir. We get some great Foley work this episode. Yeah, right. Um, so, I'm right sorry. Here. All right. <coughs> this is the name. Five. A five. Ah. Eight. Eight for the second is Kel. <laughs> and eleven. eleven for the third, Er. A Keller. A Keller. <laughs> Alright, go. Uh, a Keller. Um, he is a, a peaceful man um, who has always been judged wrongfully because of his name. <laughs> he, uh, he was a beet farmer. In the outskirts of Greyhawk. That's rough, man. <laughs> beef farming. A beef farmer. Um, but every time he brought his wares into the city, people his, his beets, <laughs> his beets, <laughs> and his beet products. He does not only sell beets. Okay. <laughs> he also sells beet accessories. Right. Um, but he would always be judged by his name, like a Keller. A Keller is here, and people would freak out and they would panic because they thought that some murderous. Rapscallion had come into their establishment where they sell vegetables of sorts, um, but really all he wants to do is just sell his beets and his beet and just grow his farm. But uh, but he he's just he wants to change his name, but it's a strong name that his parents gave him, and he's very proud of it in a way. But uh, he's also ashamed. He's a very complicated person. All right, <laughs> very nice, very nice. I will. Um, I think. Part of this is that the other person should then dub the official <laughs> title of that story. I'm going to call it A Keller, The Beater. Beater spelled B-E-E-T-E-R. <laughs> yeah. Well done. All right. Well so done. here we go. All I'm right. Up. Here you go. Reset the clock here. How long was that? <laughs> uh, that was about 40, 50 seconds. I so did it. You did it. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, 
seven. So D D E D- mm. one bar. Nice. <laughs> and ten L. Debarl. Debarl oh, is a half work. Debarl is not only a half work, but unfortunately, he is uh just inept at everything he does. Oh. He <laughs> has tried to be several things in his life, but he is just a common, common half-orc. I mean, born of low stock, is poor. Um, DeBarl really can't get a break in life, till one day he actually discovered that he had a single talent, and that is he could grow his chest hair to titanic proportions <laughs> at will. They call him DeBarl the Chesties. <laughs> And it is just this this sideshow that he performs now at inns and bars across the land, gaining what meager, what meager uh, tips he can from travelers weary looking for some entertainment. Uh, it has never come in handy, but DeBarl uses it as best as he can. That is the story of DeBarl. Huh. I'm trying to think of a great t- a title for it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> to borrow, the legend begins. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's my nice D&D character. To borrow. To borrow. <laughs> Alright, go for it. At will. Oh, God. Five. Five. Ah, again. Oh, jeez, I'm going to roll the same thing. Five. Five. A gron. A gron. Six. Agronum. Oh. Ag- <laughs> Agronum. Uh, he was a... He is... An <clears throat> I'm trying to think. Agronum. He's a dwarf hedge wizard um, who, <laughs> who, despite being a dwarf, wants to... Uh, oh, man. Despite being a dwarf, was a very talented mage. Um, he, he studied hard and wanted to be... But ooh, ah, but seems to have a very complicated life. Yeah, you know, I just try. Uh, but agronom—that was his name. Agronom. 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 Hedge wizard. Uh, once he studies hard, becomes the best mage there is. Um, and then he discovers an artifact in a, t- in a temple, and the artifact is the coin of truth. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody could see how hard Jengis' <laughs> mind was working for the title of that artifact, but I could. The coin of truth. And with the coin of truth, he travels the land to, to be the judge of all decisions. And he determines when people are lying by flipping the coin. And But the, the, the worst part of the magic of the coin of truth is that he cannot sh- tell the result of the flip to anybody, but he alone is knowing what is the truth in the matter? But he cannot never show it, so people do not trust him because they just think that he's working for his own personal gain and he's merely flipping a coin to try to determine what seems to be the result of the story. <laughs> Told you Santa was real. Um, yeah, I like it. I got him. There he is. Uh, all right. I'll call that. Yeah, I think I want to call that. A very merry forgotten realms. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair uh, enough. <laughs> all right. Uh.
four. Uh, nothing for the beginning. Oh. Uh, it's going to be... A sh short name. Yeah. 17. Ugh. Tur. <laughs> oh. And 11. Er. Tur. -er. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Is a gnome. Ugh. Race is human. <laughs> is a gnome. Understand this properly. Is human of race, but born of height of gnome, and brain capacity as such as well. Turr has no function in the deeper recesses of the brain, but is a wild mage sorcerer. <laughs> Who is like the biggest idiot savant? We're talking the Rain Man of the D and D world. Like, cannot tie his shoes, but can cast a fireball instantly, no problem, at the perfect situation. Turr, however, doesn't understand the concept of adventuring. So oftentimes, in the middle of helping a party in a dungeon, he will wander off to some unknown location to do something completely random, like study a brick, because it has 11 cracks, and he believes it should have 10. And will proceed to count them, because he has obsessive-compulsive disorder as well. Oh, no. One of the many functions of Turr, the wild sorcerer. <laughs> I'm going to call that a beautiful mind. <laughs> Two more. Yeah, okay. Go for it. Your last one. Alright. And I'll do one more. Uh, oh, Jesus. 15. Oh. Okay. Five. Gron. It's the brother of the other guy. That's right. Oh, Gronet. Oh, Gronet. Alright. Oh, Gronet. Uh, ooh. Okay, Ogranet, um, as I'm going to pronounce it. Um, she is a, uh, she was a squire in the military of uh, a small town. Okay. Uh, she always thought that she would only live up to be a town's guard. Um, but she tries her best to change, but she realizes that there's more to the world than just this town. Um, so she moves to the big city. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and while there, she gets in all kinds of trouble. Uh. <laughs> and she's a small town girl. And <laughs> she grew up in a lonely world. <laughs> but now she's in this large city. Are you seriously <laughs> making every, every female trope into this D&D &D character? I swear to God. <laughs> Um, but then she realizes that she is the best in her class. Mm. Um, yes. Thought? Yeah. And she will, she becomes a knight and becomes the leader of the city's army. And she grows and her story is then teaching another, pr another recruit similar to her in ways 
she's been on the force for a while. Force. <laughs> oh, this is becoming a buddy cop drama fast. But she has to teach. She has to teach this other person how to be uh, a big city knight. So it's kind of like a a mirror. Like she was once this person, but now she has to teach this person how to be who she is. Great, awesome. I'm gonna call that. Ogrunet. Stereotypical. <laughs> that's that's going to be what it is. All right, my last one. Here we go. Five. five. No, we rolled we roll too many fives. Three. Three. Nothing. Another okay. two. Another two. Here we go. That's fine. Four. Far. Mm. <laughs> Give me Mulan. Fifteen. Farid. Farid. I'm gonna call Farid. Farid. Uh, all right. Farid had big hopes in life. He would. He was. He was. In, he lived in a city. And was of not noble stock, but not common stock e either. You would say D and D middle class. Mm -hmm. uh, grew up Dink. trying to train, <laughs> yeah, trying to train to be the best knight in the city. Only to find out that some upstart woman named Ogrenet <laughs> came and took it from him, <laughs> and he cries himself to sleep every night that he never get a chance to overtake Ogrenet because her power is too great and his too small and meager. So he does the only thing he can. He marries her. <gasps> the end. <laughs> um, I'm going to call that my big fat Greyhawk wedding. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Oh, man. Two. <laughs> Two. It's the sequel. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, should you wish to use our NPCs as PCs or NPCs, by all means, especially Turr, let him live on. Please. Please. I, I only want great things of Turr. <laughs> uh, great. That rounds out our D&D segment. That's right. Moving on to board games. You want to start with the retro? Sure. Uh, our retro game today is going to be everyone's favorite from when they were kids. Well, if you grew up, if you were our if age. <laughs> if you were, in fact, a child and not some inhuman magic, <laughs> a random adult person. <laughs> uh, Trouble. Trouble the game. Um, Trouble was a very simple board game uh, that was released by Hasbro back in the day. Um, the main part of Trouble was the popper in the in the middle. I think both of us can say that when we were kids, one of our favorite things to do was probably to pop that bubble. Yeah, I believe it was actually, it had a name, according to Wikipedia, called the Popomatic. <laughs> I think you're correct, sir. The Popomatic bubble. And uh, yes, if you tell me you played Trouble for any reason that wasn't just to constantly pop that bubble, you're lying. Quite. Um, but the object of the game, you have four pieces. You have to get all your pieces around the board. And But the, the, the trouble was if you landed on a piece or someone landed on a space where your piece or their piece was, they go back home. Yep. They start the whole thing over again, and they're in trouble. They're in trouble. <laughs> it's fun um, getting into trouble. It is fun getting into trouble. So I'd like to talk about that slogan for a second. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, trouble, I mean as a game, is very, very simple. We've reviewed a couple games on our first three episodes, and this is probably the simplest of them all. Pop a bubble, roll a die, move a piece, 
get to the end. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. But every time I think of trouble, I think of the slogan and the marketing of it, and just the name of the game. It's fun getting into trouble. You know, trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, two things come to mind. First, is that really the best way to advertise a game to children? <laughs> Tell them how much fun it is to get into trouble? I feel like that in and of itself is in fact trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more so, it, it makes me think that like, then more deviously, they should have taken that a step further. Uh-oh. What would have made this game really great is if trouble was like... So kind of to understand my thought process okay. here. Okay. It involves some history, history that I'm about to butcher. So anybody that you know was alive circa the time of what I'm about to say, don't butcher me. I was born in the late '80s, so this, you know, I'm sure my mother, who I think knows the full story, would it would like, you know, yell and scream that I don't know the proper names. But as as it was told to me, and I believe, and maybe you know this story, there was a dude on TV a long time ago. Um, old kid show had a fun name I don't remember the name exactly you know the first thing that comes to my mind is like Uncle Slappy but that's not it's not it's something like really like really like family oriented Mm -hmm. it was some dude and whoever he was he had this show and if memory serves my mother told me that this dude got arrested or got into some trouble because there was an episode where on like TV he told all the kids he's like now like, you know, Uncle Uncle Slappy's in some trouble. So if you want to help Uncle Slappy out, oh my God. why don't you go into your parents' room to that old drawer where they, you know, keep the change and just send your old Uncle Slappy just a dime or two in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And it was like this huge thing and all these kids mailing money. And once again, I'm, I know I'm probably butchering this story and I don't remember the actual name, but I, I'm thinking of that concept for trouble. Like, can you imagine, like, these kids open this box and, like, the trouble is, like, it, what if it was, like, a, instead of, like, moving your pieces randomly, what if, like, every space was, like, you picked a card and there was something you had to do <laughs> that involved trouble and that was the only way you could progress? Like, you pop the bubble, you move a space, and then you get a card that's, like, you know, stick a cherry bomb in the mailbox. Like, you know oh what God. I mean? Like, and these kids are, like, okay, it's fun getting into trouble. Oh, I no. don't want to lose the game. Um... <laughs> Just how nefarious could these game makers have My been? God. Right? I mean, not not necessarily to be brutal. I mean, that that could have brutal consequences. Cause yeah. If you've ever seen the, the butterfly effect. <laughs> um, that, which is a great movie, by the way. Um, but like it could be other things like you know put saran wrap over the toilet seat. Oh like, my you know god! I mean? Like one getting into trouble. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like there's just so much I think of about what that game could have been and how nefarious. But even so, I. As a simple game, it just it. I feel like it leaves you wanting more, especially at this age. Like there are other games we come back to, games that I'm sure we'll review in the future. That even as an adult, like like Monopoly, may yeah. be grueling, but at least it still has some face value as an adult. Trouble, I feel, is one of the games that if you're not like seven, mm-hmm. the game you've, you. There's never a time where I'm going to look at you, Jangus, and be like, "Hey, buddy." You want to come over and get into some trouble? Oh, it's so much fun getting into trouble. Right. There are better games. I mean, I mean that's, you know. They, they, people have taken this formula and created different games. Right. Um, you know, uh, for one that comes to mind is there's a game. It's a very simple game. Um, you are, you, it's, you have pieces. Same thing. You have pieces. You want to get them to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of, you roll die. But instead of 
<coughs> instead of like knocking someone else's piece off, every time you move, you twist a knob in the center of the board and holes will appear randomly. So you don't know if you're going to be the hole to lose your piece or if someone else will be the hole. You know, that's a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more on edge. Uh, you're, you're describing, I feel, a board game version of Russian roulette. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's bunnies and flowers and yeah. it's adorable. Right. <laughs> which, I mean, speaking, this is off topic, speaking of like a Russian roulette game, something I saw which I thought would have been a lot of fun as a kid, but I'm sure my parents would have hated, was I saw, did you ever see that board <laughs> game? handgun. <laughs> no, it, it's that board game where it's like, I don't really know what oh, it is. Oh, the one with the pie? With the pie. <laughs> and it's essentially Russian roulette. Yeah. Like you, you take a turn putting your face in this little contraption, you turn this little mechanism, and either that pie is going to come flinging into your face or it's not. Yeah. I'm like, you're teaching these kids how to play Russian roulette Pretty right much. now. Pretty much. Um, but anyway, back to trouble. Um, this just, review isn't really just, long. It's That's a simple game. It's a simple game. I mean, as as a child, it would have been a thumbs up. But I mean, mm. right now, there's no doubt it's a thumbs down game. For I me. think if you're playing with kids, uh, like your your nephews or your children, children, I still think it could have some fun, especially because the popping is fun. Right, it is fun to pop it. Um, so I would say I would give it like a one single thumb up. Be like, yeah, if you got, if, if, but if you're playing with adults, uh, there are better things to play. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like if if your if your audience is young, I'll yeah. give it a thumbs up. I'll give it the Zangief from Street Fighter thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> so straight straight kind of, horizontal. Kind of a, a habsies, yeah, <laughs> me too. But if you're if you're if you're an adult or not even adult, if you are over the age of of child, you know. If, if you could pick this up for a buck at a garage sale, go right ahead. Yeah, go for it. You, <laughs> pop, you pop that dollar bubble. Um, but otherwise, I think uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'd go out of my way to get it. I don't no. know. Maybe when my son is older, yeah. a little bit, like he's you know almost sure. two, when okay. he's maybe like four. Yeah. Maybe maybe might, trouble will be. It a might thing. be fun getting into maybe trouble. Be like Dad, I want to get into trouble, and I'll be like, No, let's play Mage Knight, which is our <laughs> next, next board game we're reviewing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Mage Knight uh, Which is our Newer board game um, Down here Jenkins is looking for it in, the, in my basement of wonders Over here, my cave of wonders It's uh, over on the side Mage Knight Is a fantastic board game I'm already saying it's 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 my thumbs, my toes, anything that I can stick up is up. <laughs> anything. Phrasing. Uh, phrasing. <laughs> phraseology. Innuendo. Um, but in all seriousness, or that's a weird thing to say about board games, but Mage Knight, uh, so based lightly off of the Mage Knight figures and game of old, this board game is a hybrid role-playing, world-building deck building strategy game it is overly complicated when looked at from afar and fantastically fun and easy when played um i'm going to do my best now to explain this to you in a podcast but even in person without a podcast and all the visuals in front of me this game is incredibly detailed so it gets a little complicated but I will tell you this starting before I even get into the thick of it, and Jengis can attest to this, that the best way to play the game is to have somebody that already knows it 
just take you through an intro version of the game. Mm, Don't agree. even bother explaining the rules. Just explain the rules one by one as they come along. And one game later, you will understand how to play. It is not a hard concept to grasp. It's just thick with what you can do in the game. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to do my best right now. So the role-playing aspect is one thing, and whether or not you want to role-play is completely up to the group. The reason I invested in Mage Knight originally, though, was not just because of the role-playing aspect of the game, but it's because I wanted a really good, lengthy board game that I could not only play with my friends, but that I could play alone. And I know that sounds depressing, but every now and then you're just alone and you don't want to play a video game, you don't want to read a book, and you just want to play a board game. Mm -hmm. And not many board games are one-player suited. Well, I can happily tell you that Mage Knight has a one-player option, and it is not a bad one-player option. It is actually very, very fun and challenging, and you don't feel like you're, that you are playing yourself. The rules construct the game in a way that you really do feel like you are playing against an NPC, that you are playing against the house, so to speak. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so, uh, Mage Knight has several different objectives, but the overall thing is that you are a Mage Knight. This warrior-mage hybrid um, dropped into this world, and each game has tiles of this world, that as you discover, you can discover new tiles and it builds a map. Um, there are certain games where the map is already pre-built for you and you can discover the things that are on the map. Um, but there's always an objective to the game. Sometimes the objective is land exploration. You have to explore to get to a certain point. Sometimes it's city conquering. There are cities in the game and the cities have different rules of battle and you have to go and conquer this city. Sometimes it's item collection. Sometimes it's if you're playing against other players, you can play with them in cooperative games. Sometimes it's a competitive game, and your goal is to knock out the other players. Then probably the most fun I've ever had playing this game involves the expansion. The first expansion of Mage Knight, when it came out, introduced an NPC character known as General Volcare. And General Volcare has a very specific rule set in his games. His maps are pre-built, and his objective, he's on the one side of the map, you're on the other, his objective is to get to your side of the map, to get to the, uh, the portal that the Mage Knight enters through. And there's rules on how his movement goes based on random drawing of one of the decks in the game, which I'll get to in a moment. And you're playing against him. You have to stop him. <coughs> That's a fantastic one-player game, mm -hmm. and even better multiplayer game, to team up against this uber yeah. villain. Um, but how the game works is when you pick your Mage Knight... Uh, and once you know what your objective is, there's days and nights. E during days, certain rules apply. During nights, certain rules apply. And each game is played in a series of days and nights. Those are like the rounds of the game. Mm -hmm. Then there's the individual turns of the players that have initiatives similar to D&D. &D. Yeah. Uh, each character has a base deck of cards that they start with. Your deck of cards is littered with different options that you have available to you. Attacks, defenses... Um, interactions with other players known as influence um, as well as possible healing or drawing um, as well as movement and I don't want to get into the overall structure of the game but any card can be any basic thing at any moment um, just because you have a, let's say you have all attack cards in your hand you can play them sideways the mm -hmm. tapped way as we would say in magic and use them as a basic form of something else so I have an attack card in my hand I can play it sideways on my turn to give myself one move. 
Um, you use all of the move and attack to essentially do what it sounds like. Move and attack and block and defend. You go around, you fight creatures. You collect artifacts and new spells and abilities to add to your deck. So your deck slowly increases and you build your deck. And you become more powerful. There are NPC allies you can recruit in towns and villages to help join your cause. You can level up, and as you level up, you're, you gain more health, and you gain more armor, and you gain more hand size for your deck. Um, there's dungeon exploring. There's, like I said, city conquering. Yeah. Um, it really has it all. Uh, there's a mana source from which your magic powers are derived, in which you can augment your cards and, and abilities to do even greater most amazing things. Uh, really all around, it is a fantastic game. Like I said, learning it, the best way is trial by fire. Have somebody that knows it, pick it up and play through the intro game. Um, one, once you've done that, you can play another game just fine. But I will say this. It's flaw, or possibly it's boon, depending on the type of gamer you are, is that because of its complex nature and because of the objectives, it is a long game. If you were going to play a game of Mage Knight, especially if it's not the intro game, the intro game is just an exploration game where you get to explore very specific tiles to understand the rules of the game. But if you're playing, like say, like a three- or four-player game and you're all versing General Volcare, expect to have a good four to five hours of this board game. Like yeah. You're in for the long haul. I mean, this is like Risk style, Settlers of Catan style, like lengthy, lengthy games, sometimes even more so. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I say, you know, while the best version to learn is the intro game, a lot of times what happens is I'll teach a group of players the intro game, and by the time we're done, it's taken so long that we've decided that we don't want to play Mage Knight anymore, <laughs> so we don't get to play the real game. Um, but we'll know the, you know, the players know for next time. It's true. So, what are you? What's your opinion on Mage Knight? Mage Knight's definitely a meaty game. Yeah. It is like, like if you're looking for like meat. I, I mean, when I say meat, it's like rules. It's it doesn't like, mean Slim Jims. Yeah, or pepperoni. It's uh, it's you know, it's got a lot, and it's good for when you want that. Um, you know, like you said, the length is a little like it's, it, to me, it's more of like a uh, a downside. It's like it's a very long game. Mm -hmm. Like, you kind of have to, like, be, like, in the mindset, like, I'm going to play this game for several hours. You have to be ready for it, <laughs> yeah. definitely. You can't um, just play it on a whim. Like, yeah. you have to be, you have to come with the knowledge that you're going to be playing Mage Knight. You know, it is, like I said, it is meaty and it's intense. So, like, you're you're always, you know, you're you're using your brain to 100%. Mm -hmm. And, like, it is definitely, like, you know, uh, for me, you know. Tons of pieces, by the way, oh, if you're yeah. going to get this game. Get some sort of plastic organizing case, an arts and crafts case, something to put all the pieces in. Mm -hmm. uh, overall, I enjoy the game, um, <laughs> but I always say it's not my first pick. <laughs> like, you know, there, um, it's just for me. It's just you know, I I enjoy it, but it's not like my favorite kind of board game, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, in all fairness, you've never faced Volcare, have you? I have. Did Did we face Volcare we, together? We did it. Okay. Um, I believe so. I'm not 100%. It's been a while. I feel like we only ever played the intro game. No, we've played other. Maybe we conquered a city. We must have done Volcare. Maybe. Uh, anyways. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, but like I said, I, I still think it's a great game. There's like a ton of expansions now. Well, not a ton. There's three expansions now. It's the third? I yeah. like the first two. It came oh out last God. year. Oh my God. Shades of Tesla. <laughs> um, 
but you know, there's it's just a lot. You know, if it's one of those games where it becomes kind of like your like a centerpiece kind of almost. Uh, it's just one of those games where you pick it up and be like, you know, I want to get everything, and it's just like there's a lot there. Every game is going to be different. On no, even if it's like one of those pre-made maps, it's still going to be different because you not you're not always going to get the same cards. You're not always going to get the same artifacts. You're not always going to get the same spells, save for the ones you start with. So, you know, it's 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 intense. It's definitely like a, uh, uh, you know, if I I would if I were to rank it. It would definitely be up there for me. Um, probably, probably. Fun fact: When I was speaking to organizers, I also just found out somebody made an organizer f specifically for Mage Knight. Mm. Anyway, continue. Uh, I would definitely rate it in like I would definitely put it in my top ten. Just yeah. Just because it's like it is that you know it's a great game. Um, long, you know, there's a ton of long games, but like you know, you, not all of them have like the same amount of like variety that Major Knight has, and I think that's where a lot of its strength is, is there's so many ways to play the game, and not all the same, you could do player, like you said, you could do solo, you could do player versus environment, so to speak, where you play against, you know, an NPCs, or you do player versus player, you know, uh, so, I think it's, it's really good, uh, and there's, like, cards you can add, to add more of a player versus player element, um, and I think, you know, and there's all the different, like, Mage Knights play differently. Mm -hmm. um, they all have their own, like, different means of play. Like, I prefer certain Mage Knights to others just because they're more my play style. So every deck has the same starting cards, but one or two cards of each Mage Knight are enhanced versions based on the flavor of the Mage Knight. Mm -hmm. For instance, um, there is the Elf uh, Mage Knight has... His 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 flavor is um, influence, interaction, the ability to charm and wow people. So there's a there's two cards in his deck that are better versions of the influence cards that are in everybody else's deck. Like I said, the starting deck is the same for everybody, but it's just one or two cards in each deck are modified slightly better versions than the other than what the other people have in their decks because of the flavor. Um, Jengis likes to play. Uh, Gold Dicks. That's right. <laughs> Gold Dicks. The Green Dragon. Because his whole shtick is transmutation of mana and crystals. So he has a better transmutive capability in his initial starting deck. It lets you, yeah. It lets you just have more variety of options. Mm -hmm. Um you know. Uh I forgot where my train of thought was. But anyways, like I said, it's it's a meaty game. It's a lot. There's a lot to it. I enjoy it. I would definitely uh I definitely rate it high. I definitely plus like the, uh, you know, it's, I I like, I like a well built game. The pieces are great. Like each, like each the molds on the uh, the mage knights, the molds on the the castle pieces, the city pieces are nice. Uh, the clickers that they give you for each of the uh, the the characters work very well, and it's like it's worth the val it's worth the va the value of it. I feel. Um, so like it's you know it, it's like but you know the length I think it plays best when you have a group of people who know how the game is played yes because then there's it, no there's no downtime yeah everyone knows what they're doing you have to really make sure that yeah it's you have to know what your move is you have to plan it ahead of time as other people are going you really have to be on top of your game you can't there can't be downtime you have to be ready to go ready to play so the game progresses quickly. So you're not playing for six hours instead of three hours, right? Because um, a lot of the a lot of the uh, 
a lot of the lethar lethargicness gets when you you're in like the the later half of the game you've been playing for a while but then these turns take a while mm -hmm. you know that's when people are like oh you know but that's why i feel like when people know what they're getting into know how to play the game that way it's just like oh okay and they start planning out their moves and they know what they're going to do i think that's when it, that's when you get the best play yeah um i think it plays best with like 3 or 4 i think 3 i love it with 1 yeah i know <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It is good socially, too. I just... I tend to not have a lot of people that want to play. So many people... Like... I feel like every time I suggest it, people are just... It's like Jenga said. You're in for... You're in for the long haul. Oh, that's funny. Borging Geek gives it a best plays with one to two. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> it does. It does. Um, because the more people you, ha you you play with, the much longer that game goes. And then it can, it can be tiring. Mm -hmm. It can be monopoly tiring. Mm -hmm. um, all in all, though... Especially when you're Dave. Yeah, especially you get, when you're Maine. When you get every card, and you're just like... You have a deck like as big as like... That's why, that's why you don't play against me. You play with me. You play co-op games. We've, we've established this in like three episodes straight. My board game strategy is the same... If you're against me, my board game strategy is I'm going to be a dick. That is it. That is my strategy. It cha does not change in any board game. And it works. works really well. Yes. So play the co-op. That's the other thing I would say. If you are playing with people, um, while you might think that you know PvP action is great, really I think the game is better played cooperatively. Um, because with all the stuff you need to do just to face off against other people, it's just better to have a common goal than have to worry about other people at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, but overall, I would give it two thumbs up. Yeah, I give it the, I give it the two thumbs up too. So, yeah. uh, Great. Yeah. Mage Knight, um, you know, you can pick it up on Amazon or please go to your local shop and check it out. Um, last time we mentioned Wild Pigs in Kenilworth. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to promote another store this week, uh, New World Manga in Livingston. Mm. Um, been going there for years, and they have a great selection of not only Magic and D&D product, but also a fantastic selection of board game product as well. Um, so if you live in the uh, New Jersey area, then Livingston, New Jersey would be the place to go, New World Manga. Yeah, I, I agree. Like and they didn't even pay me for that. I'm, I'm saying this out of the kindness of my soul because, because I love that store. Because you, could, you should support your local game store. You should support your local game <laughs> store. Especially that one. Let me tell you. I mean, and this is, once again, kind of just closing and winding down the podcast here. But um, just to show you how awesome that store is, I will tell you the story of when I started going there, which was I was playing Pokemon, um, which was the second card game I had ever played. The first was Magic. Then from Magic, I went to Pokemon. Um, and I remembered that... Or I, I shouldn't say I remembered, but I was told there was the Pokemon League. You could go to a store that was running the Pokemon League, and it was like, you know, the competitive Pokemon play. And you could um, earn, earn badges, earn Pokemon yeah. Gym Leader badges by, you know, just playing the game. And, and going to New World Manga as a kid, I remember the owner, um, co-owner of the store at the time, uh, Chris, was there and dressed slash Cosplay. looked cosplayed <laughs> as Brock and he made a very very good Brock um, resembled him very well 
And I thought that was cool. And the coolest he thing never opened his eyes. And, that's right. <laughs> and the coolest thing about what they did the, at New World Manga in particular is now the actual rules of the Pokemon League were just like little stamps in a book. Every time you played off against somebody, you just got to stamp win or lose. And say you got to like 20 stamps or whatever it was, you were supposed to get your gym badge. New World couldn't deny you your badge if you had your stamps. So if you had your 20 stamps, they could give it to you. But they gave you the option to make it more interesting that when you got to your stamps... If you'd like, you could challenge the gym leader. And there would be someone there. In this case, Chris was Brock. And they had a Pokemon deck themed similarly to the gym leader's preference of Pokemon type. And you would face off. And if you lost, you could decide. You could still decide. You could still take the badge anyway. Because, like, you know, like I said, they couldn't deny it from you because that's not what mm-hmm. the, you know, what the Pokemon card game had dictated. Um... But if you wanted to keep in the spirit of it, you could stop, play another X amount of battles against other people, and then try and re-challenge the gym leader for the badge. The spirit of the game is what got me to go to New World, and um, has continued, despite it being maybe not necessarily the most convenient store for me to go to, um, is definitely something I try to visit often. So, can't recommend it enough. Support your local game store, and if New World is local to you, or even if it's a little out of the way... Um, if you Please. live in North Jersey, yeah. check it out. Check it out. Please go. Uh, that wraps it up. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's episode episode. four. Yeah. Of the can. That's right. Great. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a nice day. Yeah, take care. Peace. Peace.